Good morning. I'm glad to see you guys. I'm glad to be back with you. So today is the last day of our sermon series on good news in the Old Testament. And just to take you back kind of to the beginning, we chose this series as part of our goal to become apprentices of Jesus. In our small groups, we've been talking about reading scripture. And so this fit in perfectly with that. Jesus used scripture. Jesus trusted scripture. Jesus believed scripture. And so as his apprentices, we should do the same things. And then in thinking about our values as a church community, one of those is love of God's word. And in thinking about that and thinking about reading scripture, being an apprentice, one of the things that came out of that is that the Old Testament seems to present a particular challenge to people. So we wanted to expose you to different parts of the Old Testament. We wanted to expose you to the good news and to the hope we find there. And we wanted to encourage you to love reading all parts of God's word. You've heard from a lot of different people. They've shared their favorite stories. They've shared the good news in those stories. And our prayer is that this has given you a new excitement for reading all of scripture, including the Old Testament. Our challenge to you is don't give up. Keep reading scripture, including the Old Testament. Keep asking God to build a love of his word in you. I want to start this morning by asking you a question. What is a situation in your personal life or just that you see in the world around you that has no easy answer and even seems impossible? A situation that you have a hard time believing God can work in. It doesn't have to be something that's never been done before. For example, it might be something like getting a job. Sometimes that can seem like a very impossible thing to do. Yeah. In my life right now, there's a relationship that's broken and actually it's shattered. It's not like relationships have never been fixed before. Like you see that all the time. You see relationships that are put back together and better than ever before. I just didn't do anything to cause this relationship to be shattered, and I can't do anything to fix this relationship. How do you put the pieces back together when they're so small you can't even pick them up? What are some of the things that you have that same feeling about? Again, whether it's in your personal life or whether it's in the world around you, if just a couple of people would share those um, quickly for us. That would be helpful, I think, as we're going through this. Can you think of something that seems impossible? And my relationship with my dad has been really hard since my mom died. Mm. It's like, what can I do about any of that? You know? Yeah. It's like impossible to kick those pieces up. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, I feel that way a lot right now about violence. Mm hmm. Uh, it feels impossible. It feels like, what do, we, what do we do? Like, nobody in here has ever done a mass shooting, so like, we're, not, we're not the ones who are measuring this crime, but like, what do we do? Right. We have to, like, keep and move in the world and feel safe and keep yeah. other people safe and 
feel like people with more power than us are actually trying to fix the problem and that yeah. feel like they are. And yeah. Yeah, and I know one of the things that I feel so much about that is, are we just going to get used to the next one? Yeah. Yeah. What do we do about that? Okay, I want you to think of what yours is, and I want you to keep that in your mind as we talk this morning. I want to share a story with you from the Old Testament that talks about this very thing. It's one of my favorite stories because it's so relatable, not in terms of the situation, but in terms of feeling and emotion and questioning and fear. As we read through and talk about this story, I want you to keep your situation in mind. This story is found in Exodus 14. I'm going to refer to scripture some. I'm not going to do a straight reading of it. So you might want to open there so that you can look as we kind of go through this. The Israelites have been slaves in Egypt for several hundred years. And after the last of the 10 plagues, Pharaoh finally lets them go. And following God's lead, I want you to hear this, following God's lead, they camp by the Red Sea. Imagine their terror when they look up and see Pharaoh's army pursuing them. I want you to get a picture of this. Pharaoh, scripture says, has 600 of the best chariots, plus all the other chariots in Egypt that aren't the best, but they're still chariots, plus officers that are over all of these. From a human standpoint, all Israel has is boldness. They don't have one chariot, much less the best chariot. They just have their boldness to go out against Egypt. So the Israelites look up and they see this sophisticated army coming after them. And they realize that they're trapped between the army and the Red Sea. And who led them to camp there? God did. And they're trapped between the army and the Red Sea. They have nowhere to run and they're terrified. They do not see any way out. There's nothing they can look at and say, oh, here's the solution. Here's what we should do. Here's how we can save ourselves. Here's how we can get away. Can you somewhat feel their terror? Think about your impossible situation. Can you feel the terror you feel about your own situation or about a situation in the world? So they did what we sometimes do. They cried out to God, and then they panicked. <laughs> Fortunately, they had a leader in Moses who reminds them that they have someone more powerful than Pharaoh leading them. They have someone with more power than chariots fighting for them. They have God. God instructs Moses to hold his staff over the sea, and he dries up the ground and the Israelites walk through the Red Sea with a wall of water on one side and a wall of water on the other side. When all of the Israelites have crossed through the Red Sea, God lets the waters flow back into place. If you were the Israelites, is this how you would have thought the situation would end? No. <laughs> And with the situation you have in mind, most likely 
the end is not going to be anything that you ever thought of. Yeah. We don't think like God. We don't see the whole picture. We aren't powerful like he is. His thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. Isaiah 55, 8, 9. So here's the good news. And here's what I want you to remember. What we see isn't all there is because God can do what we can't see. What we see isn't all there is because God can do what we can't see. In my situation that I shared, I can't imagine any way this relationship can be fixed. But what I see isn't all there is. Luca can though. <laughs> what I see isn't all there is because God can do what I can't see. And with your situation that you had in mind, what you see isn't all there is because God can do what you can't see. Some situations are due to no fault of our own. Some of them are self-inflicted. This particular situation in Exodus was no accident. If you look at the end of chapter 13, in verse 18, it says, So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. So again, just this um, statement that God is the one who led them where they were. He led them to this dead end. And the question is, why? Did God get lost? Did Siri change the destination he entered? No. No, he led them there for a reason. And it would have been easy for the Israelites to think that going a different way would have been better because the other way they could have gone had good roads. It had the shortest distance. It had trade routes so food and water could be bought. But it was also where Egypt's military outposts were. The dangers of the way were too great, though the Israelites couldn't see them. God anticipated the dangers they couldn't see because God can do or God can see what we can't see. So why is it important for us to believe this? Because if you look at this story and if you look at your life, fear causes us to think crazy things. And so in Exodus 14, 10 through 12, we get a glimpse of what that looked like for the Israelites. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Why have you done, what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. They were not serving the Egyptians. They were slaves. And they cried out repeatedly to God to rescue them from that. Fear makes us think crazy things. What are some of the things that fear makes you believe? What are some of the things that fear makes you believe? Just shout a few of them out. Things won't get better. Yeah, hopeless. Things won't get better. Not enough. Mm, that, oh, 
What else? I have to always be on par. Right? Yeah. I have a lot of night scares. Lots of, like, there's snakes on the ceiling. Or I'll be like, in here, and Grant's like, and then. Yeah. Fear makes us think crazy things. God doesn't care about me. God isn't good. I might as well give up. There is no hope. God knew exactly what was happening, exactly why it was happening. And he knew exactly how to bring good from their situation. And he knew exactly how to solve their problem. And if you find yourself in an impossible situation, God knows exactly what is happening, why it's happening, how to bring good from it, and how to solve your problem. What you see isn't all there is because God can do what you can't see. The problem is when I don't see God doing anything about my greatest fear, about what concerns me, about what hurts me and hurts others, I feel abandoned. Doesn't a relationship mean you show up when you're needed? Isn't that what we do for each other? But he is showing up. He has not abandoned us. He knows things we don't know. He sees a bigger picture that we can't see. He loves you too much to do what you're begging him to do. What you see isn't all there is because God can do what you can't see. So when I face a situation that seems impossible or unsolvable, what do I do? It's fine to say that what I see isn't all there is, that God can do what I can't see, but how does that help me when I'm actually in a situation? What do I do? So the first thing is take your eyes off the situation and fix your eyes on Jesus, fix your eyes on truth. I've been reading a book called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, Finding Unexpected Strength When Disappointments Leave You Shattered. It's by Lisa Turkhurst. And I want to read you just a little bit of what she says in here. I knew God would, in fact, make something new and wonderful from my dust. And what she's referring to there is a situation where she feels shattered to the point that all that's left is the dust you get when something shatters. I just didn't know how to function without freaking out in the midst of daily life. So like there's this tension of, I believe God is working, but I don't know how to function through this pain in daily life. Like when I laid my head down on the banana display in the grocery store, completely spent, I was just standing there with an empty grocery heart, cart, a heart full of pain, and my face pressed into the display. The teenage worker saw me and couldn't figure out what I was doing. I guess he assumed my concern was about the choices of fruit before me. So heaven help him, he asked, can I help you? I turned my face toward him. Tears flooded out, and all I could think of to say was, I need a tissue. <laughs> Jesus came to share in our humanity, and I'm continuing what she's saying. To feel what we feel, to hurt like we hurt, 
to suffer like we suffer, to be tempted like we are tempted, to defeat what we fear, to set us free from the curse of sin and death, and to lead us through this life. We need to stop fixating on the circumstances raging around us, to stop trying to make sense of things that make no sense in the middle of the journey. We need to fix our thoughts and our eyes on Jesus, the truth. Hebrews 12, 2. Stop thinking about what you don't know and think about what you do know. Think about the truth you do know. Thinking about everything you don't know builds fear and hopelessness, and it doesn't get you anywhere. As a matter of fact, it paralyzes you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And in keeping your eyes on Jesus and on truth, speak truth, God's words, to yourself. Those are your fighting words. That's how you fight against the pain and the hopelessness. How you fight against the fear is by keeping your eyes on Jesus and speaking words of truth to yourself. Here are some fighting words that I have found in Scripture. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Not one of all God's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Joshua 21, 45. I, your God, have a firm grip on you and I'm not letting go. I'm telling you, don't panic. I'm right here to help you. Isaiah 41, 13. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am your personal God, your Savior. Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. At the right time, I, God, will make it happen. Isaiah 60, 22. And then the one that I so long for, I am making everything new. Revelations 21, 5. Isn't that what we want? Is the situations that weigh on us and cause us pain and that we see no solution to, to be made new, to be made right? Take your eyes off the situation and keep your eyes on truth. Exodus 14, 13 and 14. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. So stand firm. Standing firm means that I am expecting God to act. And then let the Lord fight for you. That makes me think of Psalms 4610. Be still and know that I am God. God can do what you can't. But that doesn't mean that you do nothing. And that's in verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Do your part. 
Is any one of you in trouble? Let them pray. James 5, 13. Sometimes our part, well, all the time, our part is to pray. Our part is to pursue marriage counseling. Our part is to, sorry, I've lost my place. Oh, our part is to forgive. Our part is to network and submit applications and resumes. Our part is to keep working and give our best at a job where you're underappreciated and underpaid until a new one opens up. Our part is to go to tutoring and to study hard until we get our grades to the point we need them to be. And on and on and on. We have a part to do, but God does the work. And then at the end of this story, in the very last verse, is the last thing I think that we need to do. And it says this, When the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. The people put their trust in him. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Some things cannot or we will not see fixed in this life. We just have to walk through them and we just have to trust that God knows what's going on. When our situations don't turn out the way we want them to, God is the only one that can bring comfort, that can bring healing, that can bring hope, that can bring restoration, and that can bring good from hard, even tragic circumstances. Only God can do the impossible. He did it when he saved us. No other God wanted to. No other God was able to. Only our God could do what we couldn't see. If you've been around very long, you've heard me quote Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 out of the message many times because it's something that God has beat me with, maybe, <laughs> that he said to me over and over again, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume you know it all. Oh, that goes back to what Melissa said. That's a hard one. Don't assume you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. That verse says so much on how to live through pain and through impossible situations. The more we become like Jesus through apprenticeship to him, the more we learn to trust God no matter what our human eyes can see. And that reminds me of Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And there's a fantastic example referenced in this passage. Back up again to chapter 13 in verse 19, it says, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. 
That is a sure faith. He had no idea how God was going to come to their aid, but he believed that his God that fulfills every promise would do what he promised to do and would give them freedom from the Egyptians, so much so that he made plans for them to take his bones with them to the promised land. Think about the situation I asked you to keep in mind as we read this story. I don't know if it's one that keeps you up worrying at night or if it's one that's tearing your heart out, but I do know that our God knows. He sees you and he sees the situation and he holds the answer. I just happened to thumb through Facebook this morning and found this amazing example and I'm going to read you just a little part of it. And I'm going to ask him to post it on Mining Networks so you can go back and read the whole thing. Um, but this is what Garvin had to say. If I had to speak to young first grade Garvin Williams, the one with the low Lexile levels who struggled with reading, who had a speech impediment, darn those R's and W's, and was placed not promoted to second grade, and if I was to tell him that he would lead a department for a content that gave him so much adversity growing up, I'm not sure if I would believe it. But that's the thing about God. It's not up to me to always comprehend it, but to step into it and believe that God will equip me. And he has. See, what he's saying here is fix your eyes on Jesus. Use your fighting words. Stand firm, let the Lord fight for you, do your part, and trust God from the bottom of your heart. What you see isn't all there is. If all Garvin had seen was first grade Garvin, do you think that he would be where he is now? He trusted that God could see what he couldn't see. And that process, I don't know at what point, God let Garvin in on the plan that this was going to happen. I suspect not until he got the position of actually doing it is my, is just what I suspect that Garvin kept trusting God and he kept believing that God could do what he couldn't see. Okay. So your homework. One of the things that I have found super helpful in uh, speaking God's word to myself is to ask God for a truth of the day. Now, I don't always have to do this, um, but it is particularly helpful for me when I'm in a really hard season, because like I said, um, fear makes us believe crazy things. And so I started asking God to give me a truth for the day. And then I would write it down and I would meditate on that all day. I've got half of a journal filled with truths of the day now. And honestly, some days, one truth of the day is not enough. And so I go back and I read all the ones that I've written before to remind me of what the truth is. So this week, I would ask you to write a truth of the day for five days, put one on a note card. So you have five truths, five note cards so that you can take them with you wherever you go and you can read them. And then if you, at, when you get to the end of the week, or if you need to sometime during the week, go back and read all of those truths. 
and see if that doesn't help to get rid of some of the crazy things that fear is making you believe. If you have any trouble thinking of truths, call me or text me. Tell me just a little bit about your situation, whatever you feel comfortable with, and I'll help direct you to some places where you can find truth that would help you with that. Focus on the one he gives you each day. At some point, read back over all of them and then share some of your truths on Mighty Networks so we can all see what is the truth that God is telling to one of the members of our body that can also be applied to our entire community. Okay, that's your homework. And I hope that you will do that because I'll be looking at Mighty Networks to see what you're sharing and see what I can write down for my truth of the day. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would help us to trust you beyond what our physical eyes can see. Perhaps our hearts are troubled and we worry over the trouble rather than fixing our eyes on Jesus. Teach us to believe Jesus and to trust him. Remind us that what we see is not all there is because you can do what we can't see. We praise you and we love you. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.